Hello, everybody, and welcome to Documentation Not Included, a tech industry podcast presented by DNI Stream, the live knowledge repository for software professionals. It's Thursday at 7 o'clock BST, and we are live on twitch.tv forward slash DNI Stream. I'm your host, Chris Seawock, and today I'm, jo- I'm joined by returning guest, Perul Singh. Hi, Perul. How are you doing? Hi, Chris. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not bad, not bad. So for those of our listeners who haven't heard you before, you have been on before, but haven't had the pleasure of, uh, of knowing you, please introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me back. I think this is my third one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so just can't get enough. Um, so I'm a tech recruitment consultant based in Manchester. Um, I've also uh, been learning to uh, do a bit of code, which has been interesting. Bit of a learning curve, to be honest, and hence why I'm here today. Um, so my boyfriend's just coming to the spare room. <laughs> Every time. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm also a mental health advocate as well. Um, so that's been the basis of, you know, the other two streams that we've done together. And um, so if anybody hasn't seen them, we we'll totally uh, recommend checking them out. Um, and I, yeah, so in terms of like coding, I've been learning still a little bit of JavaScript along with my day job. Um, whether I'm g- going to become a developer in the future, I'm not not totally sure, but um, I'm quite quite looking forward to talking about how, you know, how I've got into it and what I've learned so far, because it's only been a few months for me, so. Yes, you're still a, you're still a baby when it comes to yes. development. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so as, as always, hello to everybody in Twitch chat. Do please get involved. It is a live show, and if you have any questions or comments during the show, we will potentially read them out and get you involved. Um, before we get going, let's get our icebreaker out of the way. This is a question we ask <laughs> our guests and hosts. Um, every every week, um, as long as I remember, at least anyway. Um, and it's it's something. Sometimes it's related to subject, but most of the time it's not. And it's just to get to know each other a little bit better. So today's icebreaker is: Would you rather travel back in time to see your ancestors, or travel forward in time to spend time with your descendants? I think forward in time because I. <laughs> That was probably the quickest I've actually answered one of your icebreakers. You know, they always have me like scratching my head. Um, Yeah, I would say, yeah, uh, forwards in time because I really like to see what's kind of like changed. I'm a big advocate of not living in the past. I actually hated history. It was (laughs) (laughs) subject at school. I just think like it's happened. You know, let's move on. Sorry, totally no offense to anybody that likes history. That's just me. No, no, no. Uh, I'm I'm a big (laughs) I'm a big history fan myself. I I I love all kinds of things to do with history. I'm uh, yeah. I'm one of them. My mum used to take me to museums and things like that when I was a kid. So it kind of rubbed off on me. And now I'm a bit older. I actually really enjoy reading about the fact that. I mean, this house is was it's it's only it's not that old, but it was nineteen or one or nineteen or two. This house was built in, and it fascinates me who might have lived here. And it's only it's a simple house, you know, it's just a townhouse, but it just fascinates me that what might have been. Now, in terms yeah. of ascendants or descendants, for me, I usually would ask answer um, when it comes to future and past things. I would always say yes, exactly. I look forward. I might like mm-hmm. history, but I don't necessarily care about. I like to learn from what I've done. But yeah. I would actually go backwards because I'm not planning on having any descendants. And yeah. I haven't got any brothers or sisters. So I'm not going to have any nieces or nephews. So really, there's not really going to be anybody after me. I'm the last of my kin, probably. Um, oh. it's, well, <laughs> it's it's not a sad thing. It's a choice that both me and my wife have made. So, you know, it's just, just not going to happen. Um, but... I would definitely, I would probably go back anyway, even if I did, because I'm, I'm interested to see what they were like, or not, not they were like, but what times were like. Because I, technology and the way that the the world works fascinates me. The the way that how quickly it's advanced. Just from when I was a kid, there was no internet when I was a kid, you know. Yeah. And I've grown up with it. I've I'm part of the internet. I remember. Back when all this were fields, I remember back in the day when the internet. Everybody who used the internet was a, a, a pretty geeky. You know, we yeah. we were a small select group, and you were frowned upon for look for using the internet. It's the same with gaming as well. Gaming used to be a a big you know taboo. It was like violence in gaming and all, all the other stuff that comes with it. You know, it was it was hard to sell it to people i suppose but these days yeah. it's just commonplace and everybody does both of the things you know both the gaming and, and the internet is a it's, yeah. it's a primary form of communication these days for god's sake so i'd like to see what it was like back then when they didn't mm-hmm. have any of that knowing what i know now 
and saying to them, oh, don't worry, the internet will deal with that. <laughs> I thought you didn't have the internet growing up. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I don't really remember it. I, uh, we, I remember dialing in to a local computer on a modem and we dialed into this, what they called BBS, which is bulletin board system, which is kind of an early form of the internet, which was just somebody somebody down the street's computer. You dialed into it and you could download files and you could browse message boards. And it was like a real, you know, do you, have you ever seen CFAX or um, no. teletext, <laughs> teletext, anything like that? No. So, you know, when you press the red button on the television, Oh yeah, that I know. It was yeah. it was a really basic version of that. You could play games on it. There was all kinds of little, but it was all really basic eight bit graphics, and that's basically what BBSs were. But you could actually download files. And I remember my first, um, mm. hopefully not going to get me in trouble now, but the first time I downloaded some music back when it wasn't Napster wasn't a thing before probably even you even knew know what that is <laughs> before you, Spotify or any of them things were a thing. Yeah. Downloaded Blur song two. I don't know if you again know that song, but it's uh, one from the 90s. I'll, I'll check it out. Um, anyway, I've downloaded that, and it took, it was about 30 megabytes, and it took two days to download it. <laughs> two days for one song. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there you go. There's a bit of history, bit of history for oh, you. Oh, just imagine, just imagine like now, if you want to listen to something, you've got like millions and, you know, millions on, on Spotify for... Or like ten pounds a month or something. So terabytes of of data out there. Got more than that. Way more than that. Huge amounts of data out there that's available for us. And that's what's so wonderful. That's why I wanted to get people into the internet when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as I realised the power of you know browse to a website, type in www.something.com or whatever, and mm-hmm. see this this before even Wikipedia existed. You know this huge amount of information that somebody had spent time typing into a computer and putting on a computer somewhere that was available to the internet it was yeah. it was amazing that that could happen to me and that's why I got into tech anyway that was way too long of a nice break <laughs> <laughs> you know what? it ties into it ties into our discussion anyway it I does think a little bit a little bit so yes um on to today's show we are we have entitled the show um hello world for those of you who are not aware there might be some people who aren't technical listening. Um, Hello World is something that we do in, we use in programming um, to introduce somebody to a new concept or a new programming language. So they might go off and get a, a screen or a, a box to output Hello World. And that gives you the very basics of a computer program. And the reason that we're doing that is that Parole, as she's already said, is a new programmer. You've been doing it for a few months. Um, it's not your main line of business. You don't have a job as a programmer or anything like that. But we want to talk about how to get into programming, which is something that we often miss on this show. Because yeah. both Josie and I have been doing it for so long, I can talk all day about the really, you know, really how architect a system and how to put a DevOps process in place and all the stuff that surrounds development. But actually, how, what, what I mean, I know how I get into a new language, but I've got a lot of fundamentals already. So let's start with a question. What made you start coding? Parole? I think it's, <laughs> I think this is actually probably the most straightforward answer to most of the ones that you're going to ask. But um, because I kind of like fell into tech recruitment head first, I think most people do, you know, you don't go through school and like uni think like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a recruiter because, you know, it's, it's hard. There's, <laughs> there's a lot easier things that I could do. And I think just from the jobs that I'd applied for, I just ended up at the first company um, that I'd been in until, you know, a couple of months ago, really. And it just happened to be tech recruitment. Right. And I remember thinking, you know, the guy who was interviewing me, Ryan, and he was saying like, you know, what what do you know about, you know, tech and, and .NET and all of these things? And I was like, <laughs> not a clue. But anyway, so then, you know, the week that I was starting, I was a bit like, huh. I like, can I really do this? Should I not have picked recruitment in a market that like I actually know? But anyway, so but I, spe- you know, I, I suppose a lot of the people that you were recruiting for or recruiting for yeah. and placing, I suppose yeah. a lot of those people were talking to you in languages that you or, or using words and acronyms and um, things that you just had no idea about whatsoever. Yeah, and like I'm not gonna lie, um, they they had some really good training at my last company, but one thing is that. We didn't have enough time to actually learn learn the markets. You know, you kind of had to 
fake it till you make it sort of thing is you know ask some like vague questions make notes on things and sort of like learn as you go so it takes you a lot of time to get some credibility and actually be able to have a it took me about a, a minimum of six months before I could have a proper backwards and forwards conversation which which flowed and people were like oh she knows what she's talking about and then when I moved from .NET to JavaScript I kind of almost <laughs> had to do it all again because like obviously like the JavaScript world is well the ecosystem's totally different right yeah. so yeah, it was a was a fake it till you make it. <laughs> so that's see that's interesting. I I again I speak to a lot of recruiters, thousands over the years, you know, and I can tell when somebody doesn't know what they're talking about immediately, <laughs> right? And I I can I, I it's you know you can tell, and it's often uh, an often cited frustration of contractors that all oh, these recruiters are bloody bloody blah, blah. At the end of the day, everyone has to learn. Everyone yeah. comes from somewhere, and the thing that I like about you, Parole, is that you have, you're trying to learn our language in order to be better at your job. And I'm assuming that's your main motivation for learning to code. Or am I wrong there? Yeah, I mean, there's a, I I probably couldn't pick out just one. I think the main reasons will be, uh, I think number one would actually be like curiosity. Right, I um I went to um an all girls school from the ages of eleven to eighteen. Um, didn't really have many IT lessons. The only things that we did were, were Word, Excel, and presentation. Mm-hmm. Wasn't very good. Um, didn't even know, you know, kind of about like jobs, jobs in tech. Um, and if I think if I did, I probably would have gotten into it because I do really like computers, and I am, I am IT support for my mum a lot of the time <laughs> anyway, particularly for the last couple of months. Uh, you know, since <laughs> since living there over COVID. So yeah, like curiosity. I think now that I'm, I have more exposure to it um and then it it does really help me do my job as well you know I'm, I'm understanding things and um, you know like git git commands and um, what people actually use like github for um like the differences between the languages you know javascript i learn at the moment but i know the difference between that and typescript like a little bit better um mm-hmm. you know objects object oriented programming like there's a lot of lingo that i know now that i didn't I knew, but I didn't know what it, I didn't actually know what it meant. So yeah, it 100% helps me with my job on like a day-to-day basis. And then also, um, maybe a slightly more like selfish reason, but it's definitely not the main one is that um, it obviously does give me a lot more like credibility, uh, you know, with clients and candidates. And, you know, I get a lot of people reaching out to me on LinkedIn and say, look, we've never spoken. I don't really like recruiters, but if I was growing my team, um, I'd come to you. I've never spoken to this person before. It was just, I'd never got messages like that. And I was just amazed, you know. I think you, you, there's more to it than just the fact that you know a little bit of coding. I think, you know, you've got a a good personality as well. And, you know, it's, it's, it all goes together. As I said, there's not just, there's not just one thing in coding as well. It's like, I can tell by the way that you just spoke then about object orientation, JavaScript, TypeScript, that you've learned a little bit, that you're picking Mm -hmm. things up. When I speak to a lot of, um, I suppose it's it's unique to the recruitment industry because the people that I would speak to who aren't, you know, trying to place me or trying to uh, find candidates for a particular role would never speak to me in, or try to speak to me in my lingo. It's like it's like going to France and trying yeah. to speak French to a French French person. Yeah, they sh- they appreciate it often. Yeah. Well, maybe not the French, but other pe- other. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, no, joke, joking. Maybe um, but that's what I mean. If if you the same goes for someone you know speaking English to yeah. to us, if then if that isn't their native language, they appreciate we appreciate it because they're trying at the end of the day, or we yeah. should anyway. If not, we're a bit of an idiot, you know, and we should <laughs> we should do. Um, but yeah, it's it is it's more more than just that, and it's yeah. again to me it's appreciated. I. I much prefer when I speak to a senior consultant that's been doing it a long time and has picked up enough. But mm. you aren't necessarily a senior consultant, but you're taking a different route in that you're having a look at the code. Mm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna diverge a little bit because I've I'm re- I'm really interested in this. I'm really okay. interested in how you've. What was the first thing you did when when did you make that decision and say? Right, I'm gonna go off and learn this. What what was it that sparked that that process? Time. <laughs> I was okay. I was finally on 
I was um towards well, I mean pretty much all the way through like my, my last job at my last company. Um I, you know, very long hours from the time that I was leaving the house to when I was coming back was you know, maybe about twelve hours, maybe a bit more if I needed to go to the gym. Doesn't leave a lot of time and I was curious for a while. I just literally couldn't I just couldn't do it. And then I handed in my notice and then I had my garden leave and then within a couple of days, you know, I had some time just to sleep <laughs> and then I and then I was looking at a couple of courses on um Udemy um and I found this they you know they had a lot of like good offers on it was like I think the start of COVID as well uh so they reduced a lot of courses so after looking at a few and looking at the different kind of like reviews and things like that um I just decided to buy one I think it was like 20 quid <laughs> down from like 180 so I was like Woo, oh. a bargain um, and then I, I just started with it. Like, that was the moment because I thought, like, this is my opportunity. If I just sit around on my arse. Oh, sorry, on my butt. Hey, we not- say worse. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> okay, I remember I'm not supposed to say, yeah. If I, if I if I didn't actually utilize this time, you know, this this precious four weeks that I've got to learn something that I've I've really wanted to for months, I'd be kicking myself. So, yeah, that, that was the moment, really. So, so let's take a step back slightly then. You said something then. Why did you want to? Was it? I still want to get to the core reason as to why you, who is a recruiter, who has yeah. taken that that path, why did you want to do I, I know we've said that I there's got like, to be something I, in your head that just suddenly went, right, I need to I need to pick up more lingo or I, I want to do it because I, I want a career change or I want to do it because there's there's got to be a yeah, fundamental. I, I think so maybe I think maybe understanding a bit about my background might help as well so I have a degree in chemistry and about a third I know that might sound slightly unrelated um but you'd be surprised like you know about a third or even more of it is like physical chemistry and so it's very very like mathsy and you know loads of physics and things in there and I think like the logic of programming well if you think about more like back end yeah mm-hmm. that kind of I think that ties in with that and I to be honest I don't I don't use my brain a great deal on a day-to-day basis and I really miss that um up till about just over a year ago I was still like tutoring um so a couple of um two students that I was tutoring kind of like through uni that were the year below me so I got to still have that right. you know what I mean? as like a it's like a keeping the brain alive almost. That explains a lot, yeah. and that's that's good enough for me. I am happier yeah. now that, that there's okay. there's a connection between a logical thinker and a logical brain that that wants to learn and wants to process things. My yeah. everything in I this is how my brain works, right? The wife yeah. and I were talking about peanut butter uh, and jam, peanut butter and jelly. You know, Ameri- the American yeah. peanut butter and jelly. We were talking about how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't particularly like it, but I have both. Oh, yeah, is it is it jelly first, peanut butter well, first? That's the thing is, like I said, I said, well, why don't you just put peanut butter on one side and jelly on the other side and smush them together, right? Sorted. Right, that's a peanut butter and jelly yeah. sandwich. And my wife went, well, that isn't the best way to do it. The best way to do it would be do half of... In fact, I think she said it first. She said this first. Do half of one slice of bread with peanut butter and then the other half with jelly because we didn't want to mush them together and we didn't want to m- mussy the knife up, you know, and then do the same on the other side. And I'm like, but that's that's <laughs> like... There's too many steps involved in that. There's too many steps involved in that to make the sandwich. Why don't you just do one side, one and one the other? And yeah. the thing is, I explained to her how I yeah. would program that, right? If I had to program a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I explained to her step by step how it would work. And that's how I process most things in life. Because I'm a programmer, yeah. everything has a logical flaw of some description. Yeah. And I struggle yeah. if it doesn't. <laughs> if it's too, yeah. the rules aren't there and aren't too loose, you know? Yeah, that it does. It does make sense, you know. I think I really like that, and I think I likened, um, you know, I like learned a little bit of like TDD as well. So if you think of it as like a little like science experiment, and you have to like form your hypothesis first before you go away and do what you're going to do, and then if it doesn't work, you have to then, you know, go go back on it, like change something, and that that is that is TDD, you know, write the write the failing test, and um, yeah. And you know we factor until until like it, it does work. So it's not quite. But I, I was actually talking to somebody about I'm I'm teaching some TDD and uh, BDD concepts to one of my clients at the moment, and it's actually harder to describe than you think because typical TDD 
comes from uh, the world of XP, which is extreme programming. And what that entails is the red-green refactor, which is the loop that you go through as you're writing unit tests. But the problem is, is a lot of unit tests that are written, especially in the enterprise, are way too low level, and they require a massive amount of maintenance and a massive amount of overhead to to maintain them. So getting the right the balance right beha- behind the behavior of the system and the the granularity and the usefulness and value of the tests is actually quite a, a fine balance of it's it's an art to get that right. Yeah. And it's still it's difficult even if you know the system inside out. Um I'm in the middle of trying to figure exactly that out for one of my clients and it's a it's a difficult place to be. So why did you get into because you you talked about JavaScript a lot? Yeah. Why did you get into web development specifically? Why not back end development? Why not full stack development? What is what's the reason for that? I might be a bit of like a, a as in people can you can learn like full stack development, but you know if I if I were to kind of like quit now and go into like being a developer, I would either be a you know bit more of like a back end or or a front end really. And I think people become kind of more full stack. You know, you you could probably be mostly front end with a you know touch of node maybe. So I well, first of all, it's the market that I I like working. I mean, having pure like backend developers in JavaScript, you know, with just kind of like nodes and AWS is is pretty rare. You know, it tends to be <clears throat> kind of like front end focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was quite glad to to get into that. Um, I used to recruit in like the .NET market, and um, I was quite happy to change over and not a dig at any like .NET developers out there. I think JavaScript just suited me like a little bit more, like the. The people that were, you know, were in it, um, the kind of companies that use JavaScript, you know, it tends to be, you know, a lot of like startups and and things like that. Is that's the stack that they go for, um, and also we're kind of like the idea of maybe being able to then explore a bit of like UX and UI as well, and um, I like making things like look pretty, you know, and it's quite cool. I really like going on like websites now and using the Chrome Inspect tool. Mm-hmm. And then I can kind of see, oh, this is what, you know, powers this. Like, I think it's, I think it's pretty amazing. I think it's a bit harder to guess, see that in like backend development. You know, I it's not. Back in the day as well, um, you used to, there wasn't such a thing as kind of rendered front end. It was basically you cop, you wrote some JavaScript or DHTML or JScript or whatever, VB script, even in some really odd circumstances. Yeah. And you'd, you'd, you'd put publish the website and there was no such thing as bundling packing mm. things up um yeah. asset management package management any of the stuff that you get these days with front-end development which is where the minefield begins with front-end mm. development um so, much. so have you done much of that and and have you done much of the uh, things outside of coding such as the package management and the um ecosystems that surround surround that no no I, haven't. I haven't had a chance for that and you know what this is probably something that I wanted to talk about in like a bit of depth as well is that the, there's a lot of things I'm realizing kind of needed to be on like the, the coding course or needed to be a lot sooner. So what I noticed was, is that um, they've got things about, you know, like Git commands and, and things like that, version control, but it's it's almost at the end of the course. And he said, I've put it here for a reason. And I was like, but why? It's quite important now. And, you know, learning how to use... Um, doing things like Jest and, uh, sorry, like using Jest for, you know, either like unit testing or like TDD. And, you know, I came across all these things for kind of like the first time when I did a pairing session. And I just realized how much I was sort of like missing. But I guess it's one of those is that. Well, that's the thing is every time you speak to another developer and the same applies to me, I said, yeah. I've got experience across the full stack and I, I know a lot about a lot of things, but I'll never yeah. know everything. I'm always learning from other people. I'm always picking up new things. I'm just by teaching other people, I'm learning because I have to figure out ways to describe particular processes. For example, in the the moment, I'm tr- tr- I've I've delivered um, a, quite an advanced uh, Git training course to one of my clients. I delivered it to them. I've I've offered support as well afterwards as well, a mentorship etc. to people who are using it, um, and even now couple of months after I've delivered the the training course people are still asking me questions about some of the really basic parts of of um uh, of git 
such as branching. How do I do it? How do I create this branch? Why should I create this branch? The problem yeah. is, is it's not linear and it makes it's difficult to describe things. I'm mm. in the middle right now, actually, just just before the the, the podcast. Uh, one of my other clients sent me a message about how to rebase something, and rebasing is a crazy complicated subject to explain to somebody who's used to a traditional source control system because it turns the whole concept of of source control management and history management on its head and it's difficult to describe the thing is that the thing is is there's always going to be something new in development you're always yeah. going to have new questions and you're always going to have oh my god this i've just upgraded this website from angular 8 to angular 10 and angular 12 has just been released you know in while i've been up doing the upgrade it's always going to happen yeah. and it's that's the mind that that is what makes a good developer somebody one realizes and accepts that and two keeps moving with the time as well keeps moving yeah, whenever there's yeah. new stuff out there and doesn't just stay static and go right i know c sharp i'm going to stick with c sharp in version yeah. four uh, from mm. you know 15 years ago and i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with that i'm not gonna take advantage of any of the new features because i don't need them that's yeah. not the way to develop you know i think so it's also dangerous to want to jump straight into like the new stuff and like the frameworks without knowing like the fundamentals of javascript because i think um i've kind of i have spoke to like you know some junior developers that do do that you know you get really excited about like react and you know maybe going into a bit of view or svelte because that's what you know frameworks are there to make your life easier right but if you don't know the fundamentals of javascript then um you know you struggle a little bit further further down the line because it's kind of clues in the name isn't it it's a fundamental of it you should exactly. know the frameworks know the frameworks in, in addition so i think how i think trying to pick something that I want to learn first it's almost like I am sort of like a kid in a candy shop at the moment because I'm literally like oh like what what front end framework do I want to know but I'm like whoa whoa hold your horses <laughs> finish learning I'm still doing a little bit on like uh you know objects and I think I'm on uh, DOM manipulation at the moment and I need well, to get an overexcited uh, that's the thing is you just mentioned two completely different things there. You know, objects are important to learn for object-oriented programming, but not for functional or procedural programming. And yeah. you could, you could, I mean, thing is as well, JavaScript is not an object-oriented language. It is a prototypal language, which is yeah. different. It has objects, but they yeah. are not objects okay. in the traditional object-oriented manner. They are prototypes in that they can be extended um, a lot yeah. more freely um, than traditional objects, which are strongly types. The whole point of objects is that they provide types, which makes it, uh, it, it provides things like type safety, and um, mm. which become, uh, again, it goes into a whole thing. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about Hello World yeah. and trying to keep it simple. It is a rabbit hole, though. It is it a is. rabbit hole. I think, yeah, I think the realization is, ugh, I think for, for developers as well, I think just knowing that you're like constantly learning you don't really nobody gets to like you just said you don't get to a point where you're like oh yeah I'm a, I'm a master or like wizardry you master how to learn things as well you know if you come across something that like you don't know <clears throat> you might be able to figure out how to do it in like you know a couple, couple of minutes like a couple of hours whereas for me it could take like weeks and weeks and weeks to learn that thing so you get better at <laughs> googling stuff well yeah <laughs> but the thing is Googling originally to me, when I first started programming, Googling was finding something on dhtml.com and copying and pasting it and then modifying one or two things, breaking it completely and then copying it again and pasting it again and figuring and, and not really knowing what I was doing. And that's how I started, at least. I'm not saying that's the way you should start. These yeah. days, there's a lot more resources out there available yeah. to teach you the fundamentals teach you how to design things properly, teach you how to use an object in the right way, teach you what subclassing and polymorphism is and all the other stuff that comes in with um, object orientation. Yeah. But what is fundamental to all programming languages, even 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 functional programming, which is a whole different kettle of fish, um, is, is control flow, understanding yeah. if, else, where, while, for loops for each loops what the difference is between all of them and why you would use them in particular circumstances and how to structure your code if you're using you know if you're using objects and methods and properties and um 
you know, learning the terminology around all of that as well. The fact that a method and a property can also be called a member as well in a in an object. You know, all of these things <laughs> come with experience. And I, I said I'm not trying to show off here. It's just that you learn all of the. I didn't. I, can't, I don't even know when I learned that the, a mem, you know, property in a field and a everything. I didn't know when that was called a member. I can't remember when that popped into my head, but it stuck somewhere <laughs> in the line. You know. Yeah. Uh, I've got a few so. things going on in chat. I just want to read out, by the way. Yeah. Um, Yusuf Code says, um, spot on with the fundamentals. I've probably spent more than I should have on JS fundamentals, but it's coming in handy now. Absolutely. It's if you don't get those fundamentals right, you you will struggle later on. And I think I did it the wrong way, really. I didn't learn the fundamentals, but I didn't I was also there when JavaScript version one, ECMA script version one or whatever it was, was was coming out, you know? In fact, I remember when ECMA script wasn't even a thing and it was Microsoft and Mozilla fighting over the best version of the browser, um, the browser language, which was JScript versus Java. I think it was called JavaScript, the first uh, the first version. I might be wrong there, so please tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong. <laughs> Um, Vol- Volschrat's also hello, Volschrat. By the way, I haven't seen you for a while, especially on uh, especially on Twitch. Anyway, seen you in uh, in Discord. But anyway, so he said, especially when you're a beginner, it's really hard to tell all the things you don't know about from the things I need to know about now, um, and that can be pretty overwhelming. Mm, I so, think. Um, I'm going to from- say, talk about overwhel- being overwhelmed by code. Then, yeah. So. Be, being overwhelmed by so, yeah, it. To, we, we talked about like there's so many things to learn, but how do we manage that? How do you? How have you dealt with being overwhelmed? Because there's all these shi- new shiny toys you've talked about. You want to <laughs> learn them all, but how yeah. do you control yourself, or do you not control yourself? What? What? How have you coped with that? That's a good question. I, in general, as a bit of context, I'm a very easily overwhelmed person. <laughs> I, a lot of the time, kind of want to, I, I juggle a million things at once in my job um, anyway, you know, wearing very many hats. Um, so yeah, being overwhelmed is something quite common for me. So especially when I started posting about learning to code a little bit more, you know, on like LinkedIn and Twitter and stuff, started getting quite a lot of people like in the comments, you know, being really, really helpful. But I got, you know, loads of links and things and they're like, look at this like use this website and I've literally got a folder in my bookmarks with about 20 of these things in and I've actually not been able to look at about 95% of them because I just didn't want to like overwhelm myself so I figured out the two resources that I'm able to learn from the best and the one is the Udemy uh, course which Mm -hmm. I you know the the first thing that I done I bought to start learning to code Um, and then also something that I only discovered a a few months ago Uh, so there's a guy called Luke Flannery Um, he's a North Coasters grad and uh, we've been we've been in touch like quite a lot of various things and he recommended this site to me called Scrimba um, and he said it's a really interactive way to learn JavaScript. Um, and again, we we can pop this um, into into the links for like later on. Yep. So it's uh, uh, Scrimba, and it has um, loads of online courses. Uh, what I like about it though is that most of them are free, and it actually has a kind of code editor thing, so you can pause the tutorial, change the code, run it in the mini browser or the mini console, and see what the output is. And I really like that way of like learning and then you can kind of save it so you can go back on it and like loads of exercises. Um, I, saw somebody, I saw somebody on Twitch using something similar recently and I can't remember the name of it, but I'll have to find it um, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. And it was a similar, basically it was Visual Studio Code, but online um, and you could run things that were interpreted as you typed them and you could type them into, it was, it was like a notebook. Um, there's there's yeah. a, a language called... Mathematica or Wolfram uh, Mathematica and it's used for functional programming and statistics and stuff like that and that comes with things like notebooks and they make it very easy and quick for you to render the code and output statistics and graphs and things like that and it's a similar kind of concept but for C Sharp and I'm sure it did other things as well Um, I'll have to find it and uh, yeah definitely So the, I mean, like the videos are quite easy to sort of like follow. So um, essentially what I do is when I'm on a section of the Udemy course, um, I also do that section on Scrimba as well. Um, I just save things into kind of like the same folders and I use, um, you know, lots of, um, you know, when you kind of, I forgot what it's called, when you comment something out. Is that all comment. you, is that what you call it? Just, I just so comment. It's an annotation, out. officially it's an annotation, yeah, but an yeah, you comment some code out. 
yeah so then I you know comment comment like little bits out as well and it gives me like kind of like nice step by steps to step by steps to follow so I would say don't try too many things at once the next thing that I'm gonna add to that now though is a code wars so I feel like I know a good amount to start doing a bit more. So on the Udemy course, there are like some practical exercises. There are some code alongs. Um, but I feel like this is a little bit more actual proper like problem solving. So I'm going to give some of them a go on my own. So for anybody who doesn't know, they just have lots of like little uh, code cutters mm -hmm. and, and just pick them on the basis of kind of like difficulty. And, and they're actually really fun. Um, and I'm planning to do them as like pairing exercises and so I'm quite, I'm quite lucky I have like a lot of people in my network you know people like you who are just like so passionate about code and if they have time you know in, a, in an evening they they volunteer that to spend an hour or two with me to like help me learn so I actually did it um with uh, with one of my clients and you know he was the one that uh you know taught me like TDD and um, you know how to install like jest and things like that so i think actually using those people around me has been amazing so i think that's like probably the next step for me and then when i feel confident enough i think react is react or view is probably next so yeah, yeah. use too many don't not using like too many things at once um because yeah it's definitely going to get you overwhelmed try different stuff see what works see what you enjoy i i like scrimba because it's really interactive um but you know at the end of the day like everybody's different and if people keep sending you links for stuff say thank you so much I'm going to pop this on a bookmark and then have a look at it if you don't like it don't use it you're not obligated to <laughs> it's very similar advice to um what you kind of get told by other developer streamers when people come yeah. and watch you develop I said I know what I'm trying to do when I develop yeah. Um, on stream, rather, and I, I say rather most most of the time, I know what I'm doing when I'm developing. But I mean, on stream specifically, I've got a particular goal I want to achieve, and people yeah. come on and they start suggesting things and start talking about things. And yes, it's great because you're speaking to the community and you're engaging with people, and you're I'm actually learning because a lot of the time people give me links to things and I get a bit distracted. I'm looking at you, Tultepe, um, and various other people as well. But they come on and they give me, you know, they give me links and stuff, and it is just a case of saying thank you very much. You know, but I need to get this done. Mm. Even though I am capable of picking up lots of different languages and lots of different frameworks, I I know Angular quite well, and I could I've never really worked with Vue or React, but I could mm. I could very easily pick them up because I've got experience in lots of languages, and none mm. of them are that different. They've just got slightly differently opinionated frameworks, you know, uh, surrounding them. And you just need to learn that and read the documentation. It's like the testing tools, you know. I've never used Jest, but I've used Karma, and I've used Jasmine, and I've used Protractor, uh, and I've used Mocha uh, and in various different formats. And I've used God knows how many C-sharp testing frameworks. So I know testing. So yeah. picking Jest up would be... In fact, I've only recently really started digging into Jasmine in a, uh, in, in a big way. So it's a similar kind of thing. Um, yeah. So we, yeah, we've got a few people agreeing with you as well. You said Yusuf said as well. One thing, one thing with learning coding or anything is finding one or two quality resources and sticking with them. In my opinion, it's helped him through his degree um, slash self study. And Volstrat's agreed with that, saying that it's good advice. Once you find the resources that are actually uh, useful for the particular topic that you're looking for, and useful to you as well, I think specifically. Yeah, that's a good point. Like there might be different resources that are just really good for like one area. You know, I guess if you're struggling to get your head around um like control flow for example um or you know arrays in, in javascript there might be other resources that are better you know um, than, than the one that you're using i, I remember know. really struggling with arrays when i first started to learn them i had no idea what they were and how they worked and what they were for and these days collections which basically are more complicated arrays um, there are so many different types of collections that are specific and specialized for very particular use cases in C-sharp, for example. There are lists, there are arrays, there are specialized collections, there are generic uh, collections, there are dictionaries, there are read-only versions of all of those. There are collections which are different from all of that. There are enumerables, there are I-enumerables, there are hash sets, there are hash tables. It's ridiculous the amount of things that there are. But... They're all used for very specific use cases, and I'm still picking up or 
not picking up. They're always releasing new things. I found a new one the other day called a key list, which was a key. So a dictionary is, um, you know, when you look through a dictionary and you're, mm. you're, you go to the index, maybe. Um, yeah. Actually, no, dictionary is a bad example. <laughs> a dictionary has a keyword in it, which is yeah. the word that you're looking up. And then it's got a value next to it, which is the yeah. description of it. Yeah. So that's what a dictionary is encoding as well. It's got a key, and it's optimized for a lookup by key. So you can search. Yeah. It's to do with how the, the algorithm's written for the search. But basically, the, the key returns the value quickly, and you can yeah. look it up directly on the key. There is a, a keyed list is a generic collection that you can implement yourself. You have to write your own code for it that mm -hmm. allows you to look up a multi-value key. So if you have yeah. a... Trying to think of an example, you've got a, definitions, maybe. Sorry, something in a dictionary with a few different definitions. Potentially, that's yeah, that yeah. yeah. I suppose yeah, be the th yeah that maybe. But that's the thing is, it's the multi-valued key is like it's a composite key, so it it's it's like looking up things in a database um, based on two fields um, and and optimizing that and creating an index of that and. Again, okay. probably going way too deep for, for somebody who's... This thing with collections, is that C-sharp or is it also in JavaScript? Well, JavaScript has uh, arrays. Yeah. TypeScript has a few different types of collections, such as lists. Um, but generally, I th I'm pretty sure that, that JavaScript only has arrays. I might be wrong there, so please do tell me if I'm wrong. No, that's why I'm asking is because it kind of, this is one of the, well, not, not struggles. That's a bit dramatic, but like, for example, these, these online courses and things are not updated that often, you know? So there's, there's certain things in there that obviously, like I said before, knowing the fund fundamentals is good. So nothing's wasted time, but you know, I've spent so much time then going back over certain things that actually nobody uses in modern JavaScript anymore, really. So yeah. I think it's, that's like quite difficult because you know they they just make this course you know they get all their money and then like it's literally barely updated so you know there's things out of date on there so I wouldn't know that's when you said like collections and stuff I was like this maybe may well be a thing in JavaScript I just so probably haven't crossed it <laughs> from what I can tell JavaScript has arrays and then it has typed arrays and the typed arrays are things like an array of integers an array of unsigned okay. integers an array of strings no there's no strings that's what an array would be um yeah. i can't see any evidence of other types of collections again i could be very wrong there though yeah and i know for i know for definite that typescript has some built into it however maybe you do know this maybe you don't know this but typescript is transpiled into javascript so yeah, typescript yeah. is never actually executed on a um on an interpreter like mm. JavaScript is. JavaScript is yeah. is the code that is run on the interpreter, which is obviously compiled then into machine code somewhere. Yeah. But yeah. um but TypeScript itself is never actually executed. It's it's read by something, converted into JavaScript. So any arrays yeah. or any collection types rather in TypeScript will be converted to arrays anyway. Okay. There are there are maps yeah. as well, but maps aren't I don't think they're the same kind of thing. They're for they're for creating two-dimensional arrays of kind of instructions from what I can remember. Oh, oh, there's also stuff kind of like, I've seen like tech talks on it. Um, there was one of like the web meetups in Manchester that James hosts, which um, they had like people from Google come over from like San Francisco. It was like, well, cool. And they were talking about kind of like WebGL and um, DeckGL and apparently like that's incredibly like complex as well and you know when you look at like mapping javascript and you know there's so much there's so much that you do you can do with it and when you actually think about how much in our life is actually like powered by these things i don't know how more people aren't like interested in it and if i'd have known that i probably would have been as well and what's great is that it's so accessible right mm -hmm. you know obviously pays for a course it was however 20 quid but if you don't have that 20 quid there's you know there's the free free code camp i think it's called online and um, that's got some some great great free resources and um i don't think that um 
you have to have like paid for something. And this also takes me on to another point where actually I wanted to ask you, not my point, sorry, my question. Um, do you think there's any correlation between the educational background of a developer and how good of a developer or software engineer they are? Um Yes, but I don't think that a computer science degree or a programming degree necessarily helps somebody become a good programmer. Yeah. I think people again who have a more logical brain, who have a who want to solve problems. Mm. Um I don't I've got to be honest, I'm and people who listen to this show know this. I am not a big fan of education or official kind of training to get you into anything yeah. really until unless it's been a doctor or you know something that you need a degree to be you know and you need a lot to, you know a lot to learn but programming i tend to find that every single every single time i've worked with a student that just came straight out of program uh, programming college or you know from a, a computer science degree they might have got a first they might know the textbooks inside out they know yeah. nothing about the real world they know nothing about the the mm. processes involved in software and how software systems are sit together how software is architected and how to design software and how mm. to design your objects and classes so mm. that they are maintainable so that yeah. they are easy to work with and so they are extensible and yeah. learning things like for me if i if i am trying to teach somebody there are a few fundamental things that I expect somebody to go off and read up on and learn, and that is solid. Uh, if, if This is for object orientation, of course, because that's my main kind of line uh, of business. SOLID, mm -hmm. which is the um, the acronym that nobody can ever remember what it stands for. Um, but basically, it promotes extremely well-designed software, decoupled software, um, allows you to create testable software and maintainable software and you don't have to test things to make it testable you just yeah. have to design your software in a way that makes it easy to do that with um i remember one i know no hold on so i know uh, um l is is it liskov's principle and then yeah. o is open close principle uh dependency inversion yep um I think it's the Liskov open clause principle. No, hang on. Liskov substitution, sorry. No. Oh, Liskov substitution principle. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, it's one of those, like, if you, I guess if you're prepping for an interview, uh, just from a recruiter's perspective, it's definitely a good thing to know. Don't, no, no, I'm sorry, but if somebody expects me to know what solid stands for, then and, and if I get that wrong, it's a negative for me, then I'm sorry, I don't want the job, because that's not the yeah. kind of person I want to work for. The, the Problem is, is I know solid inside out. I know how to design my objects and my systems with yeah. all of the solid principles in mind because that is how I design my software because I have learned over 20 odd years of experience that this is the best way to do things. Whether it's got yeah. an acronym attached to it or not doesn't bother me. What bothers me is the fact that yeah. my output, if you go and have a look at my GitHub, almost everything that I've written if it isn't in the middle of being redeveloped, um, <laughs> is is solid. It is well designed. I might have overdone the tests in some instances, you know, but other than that, it is it yeah. is solid. But there's solid, and then there's things like the, the. In fact, solid just feeds into everything else. The dependency injection yeah. and inversion of control; those kind of things are really important in the enterprise. Not so important in software, your own software projects, but they yeah. are increasingly becoming part of frameworks yeah. like React, like Angular. Don't know about Vue because I haven't really looked at Vue. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll have a look. So I'll, I'll feed back to you. But yeah, it's um, that that is a fundamental principle that I would always kind of expect someone to understand to an extent. You know, make your code dry. Don't repeat yourself. You know, things like okay. you know all these lovely acronyms that we've come up with. <laughs> Yagni, you aren't going to need it. You know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. All of those things are really important when it comes to designing your software. I'm a bugger for for not practicing kiss though because i will make something in, insanely complicated in order to make it extremely solid and make it very maintainable but that's my own downfall and i'm aware of it at least <laughs> yeah at least you are that's um it's a big part of it as well you know sometimes i'm like writing code and i'm thinking like 
what what would somebody think if they like looked at this would they think that I've taken you know too many steps to to do things you know is there just too much code there could it be 20 lines put into five and it may do you know what it may well be but I think these are the things that you you learn maybe like you know you you join a company and like you're you're part of a team and you spend some time doing like pairing and mobbing and like code reviews and things so I think it's really important not to get too bogged down in thinking like look if it, if you've you know followed like your principles and um the design principles and um it works and it's tested and it comes with experience you can go yeah. off and learn learn solid but if you don't understand what each of those acronyms mean and why they have been defined yeah, yeah. you're not going to get anywhere and the thing is you can't know them off the bat but it's good to start trying to figure it out and try and apply them and try and learn what they mean in practical terms you know try and create a project that's solid yeah and then ask somebody to do a review of it who knows solid really well and then they can tell you why it doesn't apply to each of the particular principles if you again i don't know them off the top of my head but i could probably point them out to you and say well let's have a look at solid and let's look at your code and we'll say which one it isn't and which one it is yeah. And I can almost guarantee you that most of it won't be because you don't know the industry. And that's not a slight on you. That's just yeah. because you experience. don't have the experience of it. That's all it is. Yeah, I might take you up on that one day and get you to assess. Absolutely happy to do that. I'll do a code review with you. Yeah, of course. Let's do it. That's the best That's the best part about this, really. Absolutely. So there's quite a lot going on in chat. We said... Um, oh, so Yusuf Codes has just said... I think they're all, they're all kind of agreeing with us... Um, Yusuf goes, as a current computer science student, I agree with Chris on that point. I think that was the one about um, about the fact that a, degree. A, de- yeah. a computer science degree doesn't necessarily help you. I mean, I did computer science at college, and they were teaching me programming languages from 10 years ago that, that had died a death. Paul, um, <laughs> COBOL, Pascal... No. <laughs> yeah, things that I mean, although they were still they're still in use these days, I didn't understand the principles behind it. I didn't understand why they were teaching me it, you know. And it, it the problem is with education as well is it's quite often at least a few years out of date because the the syllabuses haven't been updated, as you said with your uh, courses. Yeah. But official, edu- you know, um, state education is even worse at that because it's this big mo- big tanker that takes ages to you know do a U turn on and learn the new technologies. And Volstrat has said, as somebody who's just now beginning studying applied computer science to get a deeper understanding of how things uh, things work, I still agree. I think these days, if I did a, a course, I'd appreciate it a lot more because I've got the experience of knowing what the real world's like. I'd probably get frustrated, I imagine, you know, with the fact that the course is out of date and I know more than the course, but it's beside the point. I think I would... I would appreciate what they're trying to teach and probably understand what answers they want they want you know in the in the papers because a lot of the time education or, or at least um degrees when you're actually doing your papers and your theses and things like that they are mostly about getting the answers right from a textbook you know thesis yeah. is wrong that's that's not what that's about but wrong term yeah definitely Oh, we've got a lot of lot of hate for degrees going on. Degrees and similar courses seem to give you the foundations without necessarily showing you how to apply them. I think that's up to the student to learn and understand those self teaching and or com- through self teaching and or commercial experience. And that's use of codes again. And yeah, just a mix, just a mix of of things as well. It's like you you properly start learning, like when when you start to build. And again, pairing with like people that are more experienced. I know I sound like a bit of like a broken record, but because that's I genuinely learned more from my first like pairing session. I think it was like two hours. I think I learned more than I did in like a whole month, to be honest, because it was just the practical like let's get our heads down. We just we just went through like a code cutter and you know like how why do we do like TDD and um you know how does that work? Just a few exercises and. Um, it is just really helpful. So, you know, if you're doing a degree and you're doing these things and maybe you're building stuff on the side, I think my advice would be always to things that hiring managers always really like as well is like when you've seen a real life problem and tried to like build something to solve it, it doesn't have to be a full like usable solution. 
um uh, for example yeah one of my clients somebody uh he was like interviewing uh which um which wasn't through me but I really liked what he said is that this guy really wanted a Nintendo Switch and they were all sold out online because everybody during COVID wanted one um and he basically built this I think it was like an extension with like a you know a web scraper I think I hope that's right terminology yep. that is a term <laughs> Yeah, which would, which would then give you which would then give you a notification once it's found a Nintendo Switch like on the internet. Um, he might be listening to this by the way, so you know who you are. But you know, I re- I really like that. And he talked at this developer talked about it in like his interview, and you know the the client ended up you know taking them on because they were like clearly really passionate. You know, really really switched on. It's not a deciding factor, but I think things like that really really help mm. and it makes it makes you stand out look the entry level and graduate market is you know a little bit saturated uh, you know there's less experienced developers so you've really got to like differentiate yourself and having these sorts of things that actually like show to somebody is going to make you stand out i think that that's a key thing that i've always advocated is find a project that you want to do yourself mm. that you you even if somebody else has already written something that does it figure out how to write something that, that you know in the language of your choosing that does the thing yeah. that you want it to do like the scraper i'm in the middle of learning no well i say learning i've I've done commercial projects with it before but i'm relearning refreshing rather myself on newer versions of node.js mm-hmm. uh, jasmine so all back-end server development but i'm also doing it in typescript as well so i'm refreshing myself on how to basically create a TypeScript ecosystem from JavaScript at the moment. But I'm creating a bot for this stream. I'm creating a yeah. chat bot that people can um that people will be able to interact with and they'll be able to change my the angles on my guinea pig cameras and things with and I've got I've got <laughs> guinea pigs on my stream. That's cool. Um, that's really cool. But that's because I that's how I've always learned. If I've got a new website to write, I'll pick up a brand new language and I'll write it in that. And yes, it'll take me you know, seven months to write the website instead of five minutes with a website generator. But I've learned something. I've took seven months to expand my skill set. Yeah, so it's not the actual outcome of have you built something which is really useful and usable and have you taken a long route to do it? But what you do and kind of like alongside that, you know, like mental health is like one of of my passions. So my first project, uh, which I did start, but I've not had much time to work on it, is kind of something that brings together like a lot of the different resources um which I know I think mind is similar, but that's quite medical. So I just wanted something where and then maybe eventually people can make you know little accounts and sort of like save little lists of things and then they know what to go to when they're you know having like certain like issues do you know what I mean if that makes sense yeah yeah you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed you've got your own little like little bubble of things that you can go into and say okay you know what I'm going to do this now um because I don't really think there's nothing really like that kind of on the internet I've put it out there now so if somebody does it before me then you snooze Uh, you lose (laughs) uh, so that's the thing is I've 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 come up in my head with all kinds of things and other people do them because they've got time and the money and the backing and, and all that. Yeah. Anyway, we I'm going to have to stop out us now. We could talk all day, um, but unfortunately we are well over time. So I'm going to have to close the show. So we are now at the end of the show, everybody. Thank you very much, everybody, in chat. Um, before we go, though, we're going to do our Bring Your Own Manual, which is something that okay. we've learned this week doesn't have to be about the subject it doesn't have to be about coding or tech or anything like that last week i talked about the heat death of the universe so you know um what have you learned this week pearl or in the last couple of weeks since i last I saw would you say it's not a fact but it's advice and it's um about setting uh, being able to set boundaries um but also being like a nice person about it um I'm a bit of a yes person I think I I always take on tasks that maybe I just can't really like manage and it's okay to have those conversations and not take on more than you need especially you know when your own mental health and and physical health is perhaps going to like struggle um a little bit as well and you know you don't want to let yourself get to a breaking point um I've done that quite quite a lot over the last few months at nobody's fault but my own um and you know self self-care isn't selfish absolutely that, I, I, it's important. my my wife knows that i've got a massive ego but she knows <laughs> that i love her to shreds 
But if I don't look after myself before I look yeah. after her, I wouldn't be able to do such a good job looking after her, if you know what I mean. If I'm not in the right frame of mind, then I'm not going to be able to give, you know, our family, our animals and her, the love that yeah. they need, you know. So I, I'm a massive advocate of self-love. Yeah, I, it's the wrong term, but <laughs> it'll do. Right, um, so mine this week is actually geeky. Um, mine is about testing, in fact. I've been doing um, a fair amount of integration testing this week. I'm a big advocate of, of testing in general, and it's normally, most of the time, it's unit tests I'm writing. But this week, I've had to write integration tests for something which are awkward to write at the best of times. Um, some of the tests that I'm writing are, are particularly um, complicated and arduous. So I had a issue where some of my assertions when you write a test you generally set it up run the test and then assert something on the output so you say is that object not null and is the property equal to jeff or something like that that might be a test that you run right um bit for daft test but it, it it's a test i found something called fluent assertions which i was aware of but i'd never actually taken up and i think someone on the podcast might have actually mentioned it to me a while ago um, but anyway, it stuck in my mind and I found it. Anyway, brilliant because it's fluent. It is literally you write something and you say object.id should not be null and should be equal to one or something like that or should be greater than zero or it, it's written in plain English. So instead of typing assert.true and then some complicated piece of logic, um, within the true statement, you just write it out like an English, you know, write it out like an English. What's yeah. wrong with me? Like, <laughs> like you know, in, in spoken English. And it's it's very, very well. So fluent assertions in C Sharp, check it out. It's just a NuGet package and it's free. It's um, interesting. If I talk to any .NET developers, I'll definitely let them know. Yes, good. Okay. That was a good one. <laughs> I think there's a, there's fluent assertions for uh, for Jasmine as well, um, and probably Jest. To be fair, most JavaScript frameworks have similar kind of things, so look them up. Okay, so thank you, Parole, and thanks to everybody in chat. It's been uh, a good chat again today. Thank you to Yusuf. Um, thank you to Volsharat, and I think there was somebody else earlier on, but I can't see them, so tough sorry <laughs> and thanks to those who have followed even though they've got some uh, dubious names going on today um, and, fa and finally thank you very much to Parole for joining me I hope you enjoyed it and I hope we'll have yeah. you back again at some point in the future yeah it's been so much fun I'm, I'm sorry I, I always seem to like run over with you a little bit I feel like you know we could probably talk um, for, for another hour and I really enjoyed it I hope you have me back again soon if Josie was here she wouldn't have any of this she should have should have cracked the whip fifteen minutes ago, and we would have been offline by now, off and gone. But she's not here, so I do what I want. <laughs> okay. Lucy comes back. I'm sure she'll she'll listen back to this, and she'll be like, "Right, that's it. I'm going to punish him for that." I was finishing fifteen minutes earlier than normal next time. Um, yeah. So, if you've got anything that you want to promote, any um, any websites, any side projects, if you're working on anything that's uh, that's cool on GitHub or anything like that at the moment, or you need any help with some code reviews, please do do that now, Pearl. Yeah, sure. I mean, the the best way to reach me uh, is usually on my LinkedIn, uh, which is LinkedIn.com forward slash the coding coding recruiter one. That was the coding recruiter one. There is apparently another one, so I had to stick a one on the end. Fuming. Mm. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, so my, my inbox is open. Um, add me. You can message me uh, without being connected with me as well. So if you want to offer up, um, you know, any pairing sessions or uh, any advice, um, I'd be very appreciative. Absolutely. I'm, I said I'm, I'll be up for that as well. So if yeah, let's do got, it. If I've got any time and, uh, you know, we've got um... – You've got anything cool to get on with? Well, it doesn't have to be cool. I'm, I just love I love teaching people. I actually I I enjoy. I wish I could spend all my time passing knowledge on to other developers and and people, but it's not. I can't make a living doing that. I mean, I do do a lot of training, but not. I can't really make that a full time thing. Um, and so that's anyway. set boundaries because you don't have time to take it on, and I'm okay with that. Well, no, that no, no. I do have time to take it on. I just don't have time to take it on in my during the day. That's the problem. Oh, okay. There's a distinct okay. difference. I have to make time in the evening, as in 
we, we can do it. Don't worry about it. We can sort that out. Right. Okay, we'll do that then. Right, so time for us to pimp our stuff. So uh, you can visit our website at www.dnistream.live. Uh, links to all our social media, all our podcast channels, and all of our podcast episodes are on there. You can also contact us on the website for any reason whatsoever. If you want to be a guest, if you've got a suggestion for a topic, um, or you've got any comments or suggestions about today, well, about the next show or anything like that, then please do uh, drop us a line on there on the contact form. And lastly, do not forget to follow us on Twitch. So if you haven't already, click the follow button down there over that, that way, I think, somewhere. And uh, we'll see you next. Well, we might not see you next week because I've got nobody booked in at the moment. Or rather, I had a letdown at the last minute. Well, not the oh. last minute because there's a week left. But um, we haven't got anyone next week, so I'll probably be doing a dev stream. I will be back on Monday at uh, about 6 p.m. to do uh, more coding. I'm hopefully getting to some interesting parts instead of refactoring, which is what I'm doing at the moment. Because I'm, I'm converting from JavaScript to TypeScript for my bot at yeah. the moment. So it's it's a bit of an arduous task to do that, but I'm nearly there. I'm inching yeah. towards the, the more fun stuff, such as getting the guinea pig camera doing things. Um, but I will get there. And we will be back some point in the future. So thank you very much, everybody. Goodbye to everyone. Bye. Bye.